to the Driven by Diversity podcast. I'm Mariana. And I'm Steph. And every week we shine the spotlight on underrepresented groups in the world of racing. Our guests share their journey into the sport and also delve into what diversity and inclusion means to them. We hope that we can provide you with real role models who you can relate to and who represent you. And more than that, that you'll feel inspired and encouraged to know that you can make it in motorsport, no matter your background. Servicing Shell's motorsport sponsorships with the Scuderia Ferrari Formula One team and Nissan Edams in Formula E. In this episode, you'll be hearing from a senior press officer at Edelman, one of the world's biggest PR agencies. Introduced to the opportunities the world of motorsport could provide through the F1 in Schools educational programme as a teenager. From there, her relentless drive and ambition has led her to pursue a varied career so far. Alongside other roles, she has been on the other side of the coin previously as press officer at Williams F1 team, but has also worked elsewhere in sport on the America's Cup and the Volvo Ocean Race, and even in UK government. Where equity, diversity and inclusion is concerned, our guest talks to us about the progressive initiatives and policies in the workplace that she believes could bring value to motorsport and the wider working world. Join us as we chat with the lovely Kelly Ashbridge. Thank you for joining us, Kelly. Now, you've had a really vast career in terms of the experiences you've had, and we're going to touch on them later in the conversation. But to kick off, please, can you tell us what your current role involves and where you're currently working? Um, I'm a senior press officer in the team responsible for um, Shell's motorsport sponsorships and that is um, based out of a PR agency called Edelman. Um, So it's a bit of a hybrid role because I do work at a PR agency but my day-to-day is mainly all about motorsport and talking about Shell and uh, my particular focus is on their sponsorships with Scuderia Ferrari and Formula One and Mm -hmm. Nissan Edams in Formula E and that covers everything from telling their stories through um, the media, so that owned media, paid media, um, earned media, and everything that comes with that. So the PR time they have with their drivers, how do they want to use it? Writing the press releases to help tell their stories, writing media strategies, or um, through to writing a list of shots that they want to take on a filming day or a photo shoot. Um, So it's quite, um, it it can be quite varied, the jobs that come with it, but the sort of top line of it is um, that I work in the Shell Motorsport Press Office. Very cool. That sounds really interesting and sort of cool as well that you get that involvement being agency side with not just one team, you've got the two teams and across two different series as well in F1 and Formula E. And yeah. with the sponsor too. Yeah, it's a really unique role actually, and one which, although I have um, my sort of ambition when I was a bit younger was to go off and work in motorsport, this particular role isn't one that I ever really knew existed because it is quite mm-hmm. um, a unique role in that, you know, at a racetrack or when um, you know we go to races, we'd be there in um, to the outside world in that sort of same team kit. Yeah. But I don't even work for the team or the sponsor. I work for the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's um, real pros that come with that because also my time at the agency, Shell are my main client, which I spend most of my time on, but I have also had the, or have the opportunity to go and work on other projects um, and other clients that come uh, to Edelman for their services too, which... Um, is, is an amazing opportunity because no two days are ever the same um and yeah it's 
it's a role that I yeah I never one that I never really thought or knew that existed back when I was at school or university and thinking I want to come work in motorsport but here I am yeah exactly and it's it's so true because as you say trackside you'll be in the same uniform so people mm-hmm. if you know if you're in the media on the tv in the background or whatever people mm. might just assume that you work for the team but within the team there are actually a lot of roles that are contracted out to agencies etc um so within your role at Edelman have you had the opportunity to work trackside with either um, Nissan or Ferrari? I have been a completely virtual press officer so far because I joined this agency right at the start of the first um, bout of the the pandemic. Um, So it was a real interestingly timed move on my part. Um, But Mm -hmm. all my my experiences um, trackside prior to this, um, I've had uh, roles at another agency in London and also team side as well. All my experience so far with Shell has been completely virtual. All my time with the drivers and teams has been on calls or Zoom or, yeah, or Teams calls. Um, but it's, I think it's one great thing that it's shown is, um, and which what I really hope is going to open up the industry and, and the people that are going to be taking on these jobs, is that if you have the skills and access to the internet, this job can be done by anyone anywhere around, anywhere in the world yeah yeah that's completely what lockdowns have shown us that everything that we thought had to be done in person can actually well most things can be done virtually which is so brilliant and like you said that will give so much more accessibility to so many different people across the world which is absolutely brilliant mm. you touched on there that you have been trackside when you worked with a team and it was Williams that you worked with can you tell us about that role and how it differs from what you're actually doing now now that you're at an agency so I was um fortunate enough that when I left university not too long after vacancy was advertised in the Williams press office which um, I applied for and was lucky enough to get. I joined that team and had the most incredible, you know, chapter of my life working for a team in the press office and traveling to races. And I, I absolutely loved it. How it differs, um, I think, and having been team side and now being agency side, I do have to remind myself to sort of put that agency hat on as opposed to my team hat is that. I think being a team side, or at least my experience in my role of being team side, is that that role is much more reactive rather than proactive. The actual bread and butter of the job and being a press officer itself, not that different. Um, mm-hmm. It's all about telling us the right stories with the right people and delivering key messaging and working with the media and um, and telling the team stories to everyone through from the partners to the fans. Um, yeah. But at Williams, you were more in the position that we would manage the requests that would come in reactively. Rather, at the, um, on the agency side, we are much more proactive and mm-hmm. um, more involved in the ideation process and going out there and, and, and getting the story told and trying to cut through the noise, as opposed to the teams where the reputation, especially of Williams, is there and the interest is there and, and the fans yeah. are there. So it's interesting how they they differ slightly, but essentially you're sort of doing a very similar role, both being in the press office. So it's really interesting that you've got the experience from both of those sides so you can take that into the role that you're working in currently and really know what the team want from an agency as well and know what it is that you need to deliver to to sort of 
please the sponsors as well because that's who you're working for in in Shell. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what I mentioned earlier about not necessarily knowing this job existed before I worked at um, Williams, my understanding maybe of motorsport and of Formula One in particular was that the jobs were with the teams. And until I went to that first race and was fortunate enough to attend a race, did did I then realise that there's so many jobs with agencies and, you know, TV especially more more so in in, in my world in, in the media side of things and um the pr side of things there's there's as many press officers as there are formula one drivers because actually the jobs aren't just with the teams um yeah there are many many ways into the sport in my opinion many different avenues yeah now you say that a lot of people will think that these jobs only exist within the teams and it's true because it's what i used to think as well prior to sort of finding out about you know agency roles or sponsorship side etc and because of that a lot of people see working for a formula one team as the pinnacle of you know a job that they could have within motorsport working for williams was that one of your proudest achievements so far in your career it really was such a big a personal achievement for me um to to, mm-hmm. to get that job offer at the team and to go there and to love it and to have a really great experience and um and just learn and travel and meet brilliant people who are some of my dearest friends now um and so to go to that first race which for me was actually australia and wear that team kit um and also tick off a massive personal thing for me which was to go to australia um (laughs) uh, which, which was to travel to australia to pick to to be able to that first time wear that team kit and and go to the race and know that you have a place to be there like that was such a pinchery moment for me and something that yeah I will forever be proud of I'm so proud of 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 having done that job and and having really enjoyed it I think as well I, I remember those first few races that I went to and telling myself I was never going to be one of those people that would go to a race and forget how cool it was to be there yeah I'm really like desensitized to what it was that was was happening and where I was in the world um because it can I, I have seen other people take that attitude and to me that's such a shame like don't pretend mm. like you're not enjoying this this is absolutely <laughs> the coolest know. job ever yeah <laughs> and you know what people don't want you to know that the hours are long and that um it is really hard work but let's not forget this is like you know they're the dream jobs that and that people strive to have and we're lucky enough to be and have been the people that do them um so that was a real proud 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 achievement for me but I I think another another proud achievement in another way was almost when I left to me I, I left for um I remember leaving and I felt like it was the opportunity that had came up to leave was was the right one to leave for and colleagues and friends and family could not understand why I'd handed my notice <laughs> in at Williams Formula One team after um you know years of talking about how much I wanted to work for a Formula One team yeah um but it was I was really proud when I left that I'd actually achieved almost at 24 at the time what I'd wanted to do um 
really proud of what I'd wanted to do, but also that um, I was growing and that I was leaving for another job, which I knew was going to be right for me at that time. Yeah, and that takes a lot of guts, actually, to to leave something that you've always almost idolized before coming into the sport. Because as Steph and yourself said, everyone dreams of working in, in a team and you got there. But it's good that you were able to recognize, actually, my journey goes beyond just this and there are other opportunities out there. What do you have in, in sight going forward now? Have you realized that agency is the side that you really want to continue down or are there other things that you want to explore? Over the five, six years now that I've worked full time in, in PR and in motorsport, mm-hmm. um, which, by the way, has felt like two minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do not feel old enough to have said, to say that I've been in it for like X amount of years. Um, there's still things that I want to go and achieve. And having ticked off such a big one quite soon after coming out of university, I'm quite an ambitious person and I like to always sort of look forward and not really look back um, yeah. and I think yeah I like to set myself goals because I like to kind of vaguely know where I'm going and not like, lose track of myself in the day-to-day but what um, I also tell myself is to not completely hold myself accountable if certain things haven't happened or don't happen. Yeah. Very easy to say that having being as fortunate as I have to have been able to take things off I'm sure um, everyone's sort of approach to personal development which is different but yeah I think some things left that not left <laughs> it's not like I'm that old <laughs> but I think one, of my, one of my goals is just to keep um, you know enjoy the job that I'm doing I think um, I've had a, a few different jobs now which maybe um, I know my parents for example to have had so many roles in such a short space of time is maybe not something that an older generation would have done. Mm. But I think what our generation does is, or what what I think our generation isn't afraid to do is push the boundaries and keep moving Mm. and and actually own it now. And like the the power is a little bit more in our hands. Um, Yeah, I think think something I'd still like to achieve is, um, and and a trajectory which I'd like to think I'm on, is to run my own comms team um, and have a team of people working together that really love um, their job and love what they're doing. And and we're a team of people that all um, love coming to work every day. And we're a team of people that don't forget how cool it is what we're doing. And I'm just really happy and love their job. And whether that ends up being at an agency that exists or a team that exists or a company that exists or maybe is even something that I do on my own, um, who knows? Um, I'd always also said that um, a goal of mine would be to go and work at an Olympics. Um, A lady, when I did an internship in London in 2012, one of the girls there um, had took a sabbatical to go and work on the Olympics and I remember her telling me about it and what it was like in the comms office and that to wow. me like it's even that was when yes that was like eight years ago now nine years ago now and that's kind of stuck with me so if there was ever an opportunity to go and work on the Olympics I wouldn't say no but who knows when that might be. <laughs> That's true. That sounds fab, though, that you've got, you know, you've got these goals in mind and you are you sound very ambitious, like you said. And I think as well, from what I've heard by from mutual friends, um, mm-hmm. that ambition started off very early. So from what I've heard, your journey started out with your parents 
taking you to visit F1 in schools and go to, into the office and speak with Andrew and Katie. So Andrew's the chairman and founder of F1 in schools. And Katie, who's now one of your really good friends, she was the brand and marketing manager. Um, so am I right in saying that, that you went to speak to them whilst you were at school in your early teens, sort of trying to choose what subjects to take at school? And t- talk to me about that. And, you know, it sounds like motorsport was the aim from from that little anecdote. And how did that how did that pan out? Yeah, um, so I was involved at school in um, a programme called Formula One in Schools. I was one of those probably quite irritating kids at school that was just like, I did a bit of everything, you know, I was in all the clubs, <laughs> I like, um, I, I, I I loved school and it was sheer, you know, luck that my school, one of the sort of after school clubs that they offered was this Formula One in Schools programme which I started purely because my favourite subject at school was um, design technology. And I loved making things. And that was, yeah, that was my favourite subject. And it was sort of um, pitched to the school as DT students, um, you know, come out, have a go. We're going to, um, you set up your own Formula One team. Um, you make your own, own, own miniature car and you come up with your team name and you go and get sponsorship. And it's sort of, yeah, a, a, a school version a scaled down Mm. version of formula one team but for me personally when I joined it I just joined it because I really like design technology um Mm -hmm. and not necessarily because I knew what formula one was but just because it looked like a really fun you know hour or so where to spend my time after school like once or twice a week but that quite quickly for me became something that I just I loved it and the team that I was in we did really well and that's what sparked the interest and I remember it was actually some peers of mine generally talking when you're going through school, you're kind of pressured every year. Like, what are you do, doing next year? What yeah. GCSEs are you going to take? What A-levels are you going to take? What are you, and it's like forward, 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 forward. And even back at school, I was an ambitious person. And I think that manifested itself in me in a way of, you know, always wanting to be on the front foot and, and mm-hmm. always wanting to be good or do yeah. and do good and what options am I going to take and what am I going to do? But I didn't know, I think I was a bit overwhelmed and I didn't really know what um, what direction to take. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I got in touch with Andrew and Katie at 4 one in schools and I think they saw that in me as well. I think I needed a bit of guidance and they invited me to their office and my mum, my absolute hero, inspiration, she would drive to the other end of the world for me. She really would. And we drove down to their office and um, had a great conversation and they just helped me. Um, that was sort of the start of them really helping me put the pieces of my career together. Yeah. Um, and I knew that even at that age, I, th- I think I was maybe... I think I was maybe as young as 15, but mm-hmm. um, even at that age, I just knew I didn't want to do a job that I didn't love. And yeah. and I knew, and, and I, I didn't want to do a job I didn't love, but I knew I loved this Formula One program that I was on. And, and I didn't want to do a job I didn't, wasn't going to love. And could I keep it up? That was when I kind of realised that this Formula One in schools program was a real option that you could actually yeah you could actually pursue it wasn't just something you could be a fan of you could actually get involved yourself yeah and it wasn't just an after schools club actually what it did ladder up to Formula One itself yeah Uh, because I joined it not 
I joined it because I liked the subject, not because I liked Formula One. I'm not from a family that watches or had watched Formula One before that. And that was sort of a penny, penny drop moment of, oh, actually, there are real jobs in this. And this is this is this huge industry that people go and do this for real. And I was yeah. suddenly like, I want to do that for real. That's a real testament to Formula One in schools as well, because that's exactly what it sets out to do, to open up the sport and to 100%. give people who might not otherwise have considered it that little insight and to sort of light that flame. Yeah. So it's really brilliant that that's actually how it all started. And here you are now. But looking back over all of that and given your own journey in, what advice would you have to other individuals who might be looking to follow in a similar sort of career path to you and get into the PR side of motorsport now that you've had all of these experiences and penny drop moments yourself? I think um, the main advice that I'd have would be work towards what you want if you're lucky enough to know what that is. Mm-hmm. And don't look at it as one big unachievable thing that is really out of reach. For me at school, suddenly realising that I could turn my hobby into a career I could have put myself off it really I think you can overwhelm yourself into making something bigger than what it is so just think about where you want to be and work backwards from there into step by step by step and think about where it is you want to go and why you want to go there so I think when I think about me it was because I wanted to do a job where I would be happy and I'd really enjoy it I didn't want to do a boring job that I hated that absolutely not but then no one does Um, (laughs) but then it's also about finding your place and speak to people I think one thing which I've learned is that people genuinely are happy to help other people and Mm -hmm. taking part in Formula One in schools and making those relationships with Andrew and Katie I was lucky enough that they saw in me the sort of the potential I guess the, and pot- the ambition the potential the ambition um and I and I think that's not an exclusive case I think if mm-hmm. um you know you build your network and develop your relationships with people that are in similar jobs to what you want or in roles that you would like one day like to have talk to them how did they get there what yeah. um did they do can they help you I think that will show your ambition and also help you stand out because hard workers do stand out and I think you know ultimately maybe my experience is I I mean I hope my experience isn't a standalone one when I say that everyone that I've ever tried to connect with or speak to have been really helpful and, and encouraging and um and it also shows you that there's no one trodden path there yeah mm-hmm so many different ways to get to where you want to go and to make it your own and and for me all I thought was I want to work in motorsport but that was when I was at school and and I didn't even know what PR and comms was at school it's not like you take that as a subject yeah Um, I just thought back then that I should be an engineer because I liked making the cars and it's the engineers that make the cars or the mechanics that build the cars yeah. until I started having conversations with people that were in the industry that it wasn't until I started doing that that I actually realized what different roles there were and, and opportunities there were out there because I tried I tried to take maths and science and um, <laughs> as much as you know I worked hard at it um, I quite quickly realized that I wasn't 
good at it um mm. and so almost as well in, in that same brushstroke it's it's also good to maybe know where your strengths don't lie so I'd say you know if you don't know what it is exactly you want to do don't panic because sometimes it's just as important to know what you don't want to do and what you don't enjoy I definitely agree with that it's knowing where your strengths are and following those because as a young student in school you might not know well I know a lot of my friends didn't know what they wanted to do even now some don't know what they want to do but it's absolutely fine just keep chipping away if you have a goal in mind yeah follow follow your passion because someone's got to do the job it might seem really unachievable because it's something that's on tv but someone's doing that job one bit of advice I would really love to give is that my advice would be to build your network and don't worry if you can't travel to a race or you can't you don't live in a big city or you can't travel to a big city which at the minute is you know that's not not possible um, anyway at the moment possible anyways but you can um do your networking online um my first job opportunity actually came from a connection on linkedin and just came from researching different agencies people that were there in the industry already and that sort of thing I was trying to start those conversations with people that had those jobs already and trying to talk to them and and yeah so just try and build your network and don't be afraid to just go out there and just go go for it because these these jobs exist um the jobs are there so why shouldn't it be you that does it and just believe in yourself be confident and hard work shows up yeah I think when it comes to being a a woman in this industry your superpower actually is the same as everyone else's in that it's your mind and what you know and what you're good at so just believe in yourself and just go for it because if you don't someone else will yeah and like I said yeah don't think of it as one big unachievable thing just break it down into small steps because people people are out there doing it and you can too yeah I love that and it's it's very true isn't it so you have this big goal you want to follow your passion but you don't know where to start but if you just keep doing little steps and always do what you love you'll eventually end up finding your way there because each of those steps will lead to it and along with joining that with expanding your network speaking to people you'll end up making such a network that you'll find out about other jobs that you didn't know existed previously um you'll make connections with other people and you'll never know where you're gonna end up like with you where you ended up with was it mb partners so yeah you'll you just gotta follow it and in five ten years time you never know where you're gonna be and there's always there's always jobs that you know need filling people out there are doing those jobs yeah yeah I definitely agree with that Steph and I think as you've both said breaking it down into bite-sized chunks and tackling it one step at a time is how to approach it and then eventually you will find actually that one of those steps is the one that takes you into into the role or the industry that you're after you also made a really lovely point there about the superpower that you have as being a woman within motorsport. And that leads quite nicely into the diversity part of the conversation. Um, you have told us off air that your current workplace is doing loads of amazing things on the DNI front. Could you tell us a bit about some of the initiatives that your current workplace is is implementing? Yes, um, definitely. I'd love to. I'm really proud of where I work um, because I think... I've been in the industry for a few years now and I've just never been so impressed by an employer and how proactively they're working to address 
DNI in the workplace and in terms of the policies and support that it gives to their staff. What everyone know is that the statistics they have tell them that they aren't retaining enough women in senior roles. Uh, so they've come out with a 60-40 leadership ambition so that more women in the senior roles are retained, but also that so that it's more reflective of the industry um, in the breadth of positions that are available. They're also working to bring in more males in um, some of the more junior positions because this isn't sort of a one-size-fits-all approach and um, you actually need to have diversity in the teams that you're in and the makeup of those teams and um, the composition of those teams about in, in the projects that you're working on day-to-day too. So that I think it's important that the diversity is reflected not just in the boardroom but all the way through to you know the day-to-day projects and, and in the role that you have being nurtured in that role and being happy in that role because it's also about recognizing that not everybody will take those leadership positions but not everybody wants the leadership positions people have their own ambitions and it's about recognizing that and that not everybody wants to um not everybody wants to go straight to the top or or, or through to the top um so it's about being happy in your role and um they've got a number of mental health first aiders uh, throughout the business which i think is is an amazing resource especially in the last year of lockdown and working from home like i said i've been an entirely virtual press officer and a virtual onboarder so um I, i think that's a great a great initiative and through to the policies that they have as well they have some brilliant fertility parental leave um, and a miscarriage policy which for something that can be such a um, a frightening experience or a lonely experience and maybe something that historically and still something that I still don't think is talked about necessarily openly at work but also just in people's personal lives I think for Edelman to have a miscarriage policy which is where they they can come to work and, and, and take two weeks off is amazing and it's not just the fact that it's there because people might not take it but it's that awareness and having that policy in place and um knowing that you can knowing that it's there if you if you need it and the, and the way that they will handle it is really delicately but the most recent policy is the menopause policy which came out in january and Edelman are one of the first agencies to do this. It's industry leading. Um, again, you can take up to 10 days off if you're suffering from the symptoms symptoms of um, a menopause. But there's also, so that's sort of in the immediate sense. But then when you come back to work, you're able to, should you feel like you need it, start a conversation about your working pattern and your working environment and working in a way that is going to be right for you. Um and I just generally think Edelman's approach to flexible working is amazing, especially during lockdown and, and people that are homeschooling children as well as trying to do their jobs. Um, I just think they are like people that are trying to homeschool at the minute on top of doing their job. I have all the praise for because I'm only doing my job and I couldn't imagine trying to juggle homeschooling kids as well. Um, but I just I think overall that the, the commitment that Edelman has to these policies is just really showing what their intentions are and people are using them which shows that there's an appetite for them and that they're needed and they're they're creating with these policies a culture um, and an expectation around it and they're so dynamic and so progressive and 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 getting these conversations into our consciousness and all right I think they're being really ambitious with some of their targets as well but it actually shows um, that it sets the urgency alongside them. 
And this is where I think in sort of my hybrid role that I've had um, in the last year of working here, I've been both a motorbot press officer, but working at a PR agency. So I'm not necessarily working for a team or um, in-house at um, uh, an automotive brand. But I think this is where motorbot can learn from the private sector and really look at what other companies are doing and and learn from it and innovate from it and um, take note of these things and and take them on board I think you know in my experiences like I said I think maybe you know as I get older my awareness of certain things is changing but the mental health first aiders for example I, I know working in motorsport it's such an extreme environment it's not a normal job there are uh, uh, highs that come with it but there are lows as well and what people don't want you to know is that the hours are really long and when you're traveling a lot of the time you can be by by yourself or you know with people that you don't necessarily know so I think yeah I think the importance that they're putting into these policies is is just really really impressive and definitely something that I think um, motorsport can learn from and, and also other places in general. Yeah, it sounds like they're being incredibly proactive and those policies are really forward thinking. And like you said, the fact that people are taking them up shows that there is the need for them. And it might be a case that those people may not have flagged up that they need those sorts of policies. But now that they're there, they're able to make use of them, which is which is really, really good. And I certainly agree that motorsport may need to look outside of their own bubble in order to in order to progress and learn and pick up other innovative ways to push forward on the DNI front. You're also part of the Women in PR mentoring program. Can you tell us about that? Because that sounds like another really, really good initiative to help drive diversity. Yes, it is. Um, so Women in PR is a networking um, initiative and the mentoring program itself is there is a 12 month program and it's you're matched with um, a, a senior leader in a PR role. And I'm paired with Michelle Moore, who works at Capgemini. And what it's been really helpful for me is that it's been able to have a relationship and talk with someone who at the core of what they do is the same, but um, her background is different. And, and she's been vastly helpful, greatly helpful with me and helping me make some decisions and talk through my approach to certain scenarios at work and in the industry in general. But what's been really helpful has been part of a network of these women in PR who are all sort of united in what it is we want to do and are going through the same thing as you because women in PR it exists and it aims to increase diversity and women in leadership roles in PR and comms. So it's just so empowering to be in conversations with with people who who have the same sort of like a rear path yeah the same end goal sort of you're on the same yeah you're going through the same thing as you I think as well and and that's you know what inclusion is it's just people you know who who love the same thing or have the same opinion on a certain thing talking about it and addressing it and shining a light on it yeah that sounds really cool and it's such a good initiative to be part of as well especially being paired with a, a sort of a senior figure in the PR world that you can learn from as well and not necessarily someone that is even within sort of the world that you deal with in terms of motorsport you said that uh, Michelle has a completely different background and also working at a completely different agency as well so you can take her different experiences within the industry and sort of help to apply them to certain situations that you Mm -hmm. might find yourself in so that's really beneficial that you've sort of got 
two worlds to to lean on there. Do you think that these sort of mentoring schemes would be beneficial within Formula One or within the motorsport industry? Because this this particular mentoring scheme that you're part of is more industry wide rather than um, sort of motorsport specific, isn't it? Absolutely. I think there's so much value in them. And I think I've adopted unofficially more than one mentor in my, um, you know, years of, of starting out in the industry and, and starting to work in the industry. Um, and through my unofficial mentors, um, <laughs> whether they wanted to be one or not, um, <laughs> you know, have they've really helped me shape certain decisions and certain paths and um, routes that I've wanted to go down. So I, I would 100% advocate for something like that. On the other side of the coin as well, what I've seen in a place I've worked at previously is a reverse mentoring program, whereby the more senior people um, or people in senior leadership positions actually have um, a more junior mentor, which I just thought was great. And and it just really embodies the fact that you never stop learning just because you are a leader or you're in a senior role. It doesn't mean that you've made it and the book stops and you don't have to sort of you don't rest on your laurels I think it shows that you never stop learning and you can learn from everyone that you work with or speak to um, no matter who they are or what their position or role is. I think that's really important in this day and age as well when everything is moving so fast and the type of lifestyle that everyone has now is so different to how some of the senior leaders might have made their way up through the career so there's so much to learn in order to continue being innovative and to continue leading your company through changing times. And that's a really, really hands-on way of keeping keeping your finger on the pulse and staying in touch with, with whatever is happening now. How do you feel like motorsport world, the, the motorsport world, not motorsport, <laughs> how do you feel the motorsport world can continue working to build an inclusive culture because diversity, as we've touched on before, and I think Steph, you mentioned it in a previous podcast, diversity is, you know, having the faces and the people from different backgrounds in the room, but building an inclusive culture is the step beyond that and making sure that people are feeling welcome. How do you think that we can work to do that? Because you've obviously had um, had a view on lots of different initiatives that have been really brilliant. So have you picked up anything from those that you think could be implemented to to push that forward? I think that, you know, inclusion. I have never felt as included in a role, actually, in the one role that I have had that wasn't in motorsport, which is interesting because you do think that, you know, by being on a team or whether that is a team itself or a team in an agency, just because it's called a team, actually being a team is something completely different. And uh, one motorsport role, full-time motorsport role, which I didn't have, was in the government. And it was the most inclusive place I'd ever worked. And that was probably, or in my opinion, down to the people that were in the team. And the fact that, you know, we were 30 people who by and large had the same job the same um, ambitions and, and loved the same things and we, we were sat in an office in the in the previous world um we were sat together in an office every day talking about um you know what we loved which was our job um and I think I I wonder in part if 
that was almost in part down to the government's blind recruitment process. And actually, so that when you get there and you get into your job, it's a fair level playing field, um, mm-hmm. which I that was something I took away from working there, which I thought was good. But look, I think what's changing now is awareness and the importance of actually listening to people and appreciating people and and knowing that everyone has a different point of view and understanding that someone's opinion might be different to yours but that's okay and it's that level of respect and and appreciating who you work with for their whole self because if we were all the same not just the working world but the world would be so boring and I just hope that you know I think in part down to COVID and I think not just motorsport but in general the fact that I think we've never had the cultural awareness like what we do now, like what we have now. Um, And I think we're at a turning point. And the optimist in me would like to think that we'll never go backwards. We'll we'll only ever go forwards. Um, And I think we're learning every day as individuals and as brands and teams and companies. And that I think inclusion, in in my opinion, is, is something that, I would just love for it to not be a conversation because it's there and we all have it. Yeah, and it's just innate and it's just natural and that's just what it is. Yeah, and maybe that's the optimist in me. So I think how we can build an inclusive culture and going back to your um, superpower being your own mind is building our teams on our brain power and, and not necessarily on, you know, sadly, politics. Um, because. It's about having a team of of brains and minds that are in the roles that are right for them. Because again, not everyone wants to be a leader and rise straight to the top. It's about having a team of brains that are in the right role for them and are happy in it. A big thank you to Kelly for giving up her time to chat with us. Now, the majority of people who listen to this pod will be motorsport fans, but Kelly is a prime example of someone who didn't come from a motorsport family or motorsport background. And it just goes to show that it isn't necessarily about being the biggest F1 fan, but actually it's about being good at the job itself. Our industry welcomes people who have the skills and talent to work here. And that is ultimately what is going to get you the opportunities. Absolutely. And another important point to highlight is that Kelly's first job opportunity in the industry was actually through networking and reaching out to someone on LinkedIn. We hear this time and time again, and we actually can't stress enough how successful such a simple thing can be. In this industry, networking means so much. So get yourself out there and you never really know where it might lead. You really don't. And I loved that she was proactive at such a young age too, exploring how she could pursue something she loved and turn it into a career. And now looking at her present day career, it's so clear that she is working at a company that she's really proud of. She spoke so highly of Edelman and the work that they're doing on the DNI front. And their policies are really setting the standard, not only in PR, but across the board. For instance, the miscarriage and menopause support that we spoke about. It's this proactiveness that demonstrates how the company is striving to be inclusive, accessible, and welcoming whatever your present or future situation. 
Yeah, I have to echo that, Ariana, and I'm so glad that there are companies out there starting to cater for areas like this. It's really important to remember that not everyone will fit into a stereotypical box when it comes to employment, and people do obviously have their own private lives and personal situations, which can be difficult to bring into work every day. So it's great to see that there is this flexibility and sensitivity out there. And as we said in the conversation earlier, the motorsport world could definitely benefit from looking outside their immediate industry to learn what practices could be adopted to become even more diverse and inclusive themselves. To keep up to date with Kelly, find her at Kelly underscore Ashbridge on Instagram or find her on LinkedIn. If you're not following us already, get on it. We're on Instagram at We Are Driven by Diversity. Thanks for joining us for another episode. We'll be back next Tuesday.